this time on episode 339 of Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. We discuss Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Season 7, Episode 6, Adapt or Die, Weekly Marvel News, and your feedback. I'm David S. Dawson from The Intellectual Podcast, a show that spotlights creatives from all walks of life, part of the Gunna Geek Network, just like the show you're checking out now. Shows on the network are individually owned, and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other incredibly geeky shows at GunnaGeekNetwork.com. You have been granted clearance by director Alfonso Mac McKenzie. Stand by for a shield debriefing. All information to be discussed here is classified and may only be discussed among agents granted clearance by the S.H.I.E.L.D. director. Now it's time for your scheduled debriefing. I'm Director SP. I'm Agent Lauren. And I'm Agent Michelle. Welcome to Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. We're a Marvel Comic Universe fan show. This show is recorded on Thursday, July 2nd, 2020, live from the Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. studios and broadcast North America-wide via www.geeks.live. Come and join our live chat as we record. Ladies, happy National Anaset Day. I have no idea what that is. I honestly had to look it up. It is a flavored liquor, most notably known for tasting like licorice. Yeah. Ah, so like aniseed? That's exactly what it is. It's aniseed. If you like black jelly beans, you'll probably like this. If you don't, then you won't like it. And yeah, that's what it is. Now, there's no history for this, but it is literally the only, you know, normally I go to the nationaldaycalendar.com and I see like five or six different things for July 2nd or whatever day we record. This July 2nd, I only saw one. So this was it. This is what we were doing. So I did a little research into it and, uh, you know, it got me thinking that I need to, there was a drink I had like a minty cream drink that I had a long time ago, like creme de meth. Mm-hmm. And I just need to either buy some or make some, cause I guess you can make some, but I need to either buy or make some cause I don't like licorice, black licorice. So I would not like this, but it would be interesting to have it on hand in the liquor cabinet. Yep, I'm sure it's good for something. Okay. So if you like Anisette, please let us know. If not, then we're just going to continue on with the rest of the show. Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. is a fan-based podcast on the ABC television show Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., the multiple Marvel small screen series, and the Marvel Cinematic and Comic Book universes in general. Because of Diana, who is adorable. If you'd like to talk to us about adorable Diana, you can visit our website, legendsofshield.com. If you'd like to tell us about your memory-altering implant, you can get a hold of us at our voicemail, 844-THE-BUS-1. That's 844-843-2871. You can find us on Facebook, Legends of Shield Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Legends of Shield. Or on YouTube, youtube.com slash gunnageek. You can tell your Amazon device to enable Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. skill. And remember, Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. is a proud member of the GundaGeek.com network. 
Agent Haley is not with us tonight. You know, I forgot to ask her last week if she actually found Roswell, New Mexico and what was there. So we'll have to hang on to that for another week. She's not here tonight due to further work issues. And we're hoping to have her back next week, especially because this was a great episode that we're going to be talking about in a second that she should have her two cents to lay in as well. But. Before we get going on with the rest of the show, just want to throw it out to the ladies. Is there anything that you guys want to say before we get started? Yes, but we've we've already started recording, so I can't do my usual mm, profanity-laden... Adults, yeah, yes. language. Yeah, okay. Well, so now that we can't do that, let's get on with the rest of the show. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Season 7, Episode 6, Adapt or Die, was broadcast on ABC July 1st, 2020. Lauren, who directed the episode? The episode was directed by April Winnie, who has 13 directing credits starting in 2004, including four of The Fosters, six episodes of Just Add Magic, three of Good Trouble, one of Siren, and one of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Michelle, who wrote the episode? This episode was written by Daniel J. Doyle, who has one writing credit starting in 2014, and has 12 episodes of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. showrunners are Marissa Tinkeron and Jed Whedon. Husband and wife team. I just want to mention Daniel J. Doyle. Daniel has written some amazing episodes of Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. And last night during the episode, I forgot to look at the beginning to see who wrote it. So I went into the IMDb credits. Now the IMDb credits at the time said the writers were Marissa, Jed and Joss Whedon. I knew that was not correct or it could have been, but I knew I needed to check later. And later on, I saw Daniel J Doyle and I was like, yeah, that makes sense. This episode definitely had to have somebody with some gravitas that had history of the franchise as well as could write a great episode. So I think that Marissa and Jed are just doing a best hits of all their top a level people that have worked on the show in the past. And April Winnie was just a great director to bring in on this. So I am stoked at the creation that they put together. Let's start off talking about the episode itself with the CGI. Now we saw Zephyr 1 get hit. Now, for those that saw the preview from last week, kind of saw Zephyr 1 getting hit by some missiles, but we actually get to see it as it's flying around and it has the three missiles coming in Two get redirected by the countermeasures. And then the third hits on the top of the plane itself, which kind of speaks to the robustness of the design of the aircraft. Cause normally when aircraft get hit, like in the wing spar, you're done for. So Zephyr 1 was still flying. Still going great. But the one caveat I have is poor Enoch, he's piloting it and he basically says, prepare. He doesn't say brace for impact or anything like that. He says, prepare yourself for extreme G's. And then the Zephyr one continues flying level and straight. It dispenses the countermeasures and gets hit. So there was no G's whatsoever. So Enoch, man, you need to learn your evasive maneuvers. I knew that was going to bother you. It was great CGI, right? Getting it hit in countermeasures or whatever. It just would have been nice for the sky to be moving or something like that. Yeah, 
it's like all you got to do is just kind of rotate the camera a few times, do the the Star Trek method of everybody going, Bleh, you know? <laughs> yes. It's funny that you mentioned that because I am watching the Delta Flyers, which is a podcast of the actors that played a couple of the bridge crew. And they were talking about the first couple of episodes, how they got schooled on how to actually do the Star Trek going back and forth, back and forth by one of the directors of the original series or the, uh, the next generation. And it's just funny that you mentioned that because it is an art. You can't overdo it, but you can't underdo it either. So you have to all be in sync and you have to all do the right thing. And, and yeah, so we didn't even get that. <laughs> was there any other CGI? That's all I could remember from the episode. And I watched it twice, but was there any other CGI that was notable? Not that I can remember. Yeah, there was probably more, but of the like unobtrusive kind. Right. I was thinking maybe the Chronicon ship, but that wasn't spectacular. That was like a backdrop. All right. Now, what do you ladies want to talk about first? Let's start off with Daisy, Souza, and Malik. Nathaniel Malik. Now that we are up to three Maliks. And we didn't explicitly state it last time, so I just want to give a little history lesson of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and I guess history lesson within the Marvel Universe. Nathaniel Malik was the person that was sent back in 1970 to Maveth that was sent as a, I guess, a gift to Hive. And it was because the two boys, Gideon and Nathaniel, like flipped a coin and Gideon rigged it. And that's why Nathaniel went back. So. That's the backdrop. It was an Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. episode. It was actually a really good one. And Nathaniel was supposed to be dead on Maveth in 1970. Now it's 1976. And he is trying to get those superpowers. He's focused on the superpowers. So it doesn't surprise me because he has in another alternate universe, I guess, or alternate timeline, that experience with Hive. Yeah, I guess I feel like in this timeline, since we have the Chronicoms and Malik the Senior, Freddy, was kind of consumed by this whole time travel stuff, I feel like they probably let all the Maveth stuff fall by the wayside. Yes. It didn't happen, I think. The Chronicons just overtook it. Which is interesting because I don't know what the evolution of the Inhumans would really be along the way without that. I just want to say it was so poetic. I'm sorry. He got what he wanted and then he died. <laughs> Do we know he died? I don't know if we know he's dead. We get a repeat of all of the Jiang stuff where they're basically, you know, extracting blood and spinal fluid from Daisy to try to get at her powers. And by the way, the headache she would have after being hypovolemic and having spinal fluid taken out. I had a spinal tap once and I got a really bad headache after, and that wasn't even that much spinal fluid. So he gets her powers, tries to use them, and immediately just like, what, like squishes himself basically from the inside out? He couldn't control it. it the power overtook him. I don't even think he was trying to do anything. The power just yeah. started to crack his bones yeah he was just standing there by bones they're cracking how do you stop it how do you stop it <laughs> i think there's a good 
I don't know, 90% chance he's dead? Either that or he's going to come back. I don't know. I'm picturing this is for a very, I say a very select audience with the release of the Hannibal TV show a few years ago. It's more, but he's going to come back like Gary Oldman's character in Hannibal, whose name I forget, Mason Verger, just kind of like goo because his bones were broken. Yeah, liquefied basically on the inside. There was no structure. I could kind of see that. I'd like to avoid it on account of the whole being disabled makes you evil thing. I mean, I'm disabled and I'm not evil. Sen- well, Suze is disabled and he's <laughs> not evil. Exactly. But since we've, the timeline has changed and we really haven't gone by a lot of the exact history post-World War II, I think it's safe to say that the showrunners have taken creative license to create an entirely different alternative timeline. Like, I don't think we're going to meet Captain Marvel in the next episode or two, which I would love to, but I just don't think that's going to happen or any reference of her. Speaking of Sousa, we got to see him be a good buddy this episode. When Daisy's brought back, he's trying to keep her awake and telling her about how he lost his leg and how he had someone there trying to keep him awake and that person didn't make it uh luckily it looks like both he and daisy will make it at the end we see them both in the zephyr and daisy's in the um medical tube i keep wanting to call it the back to tank but that's not it <laughs> there's no back to fluid in there no <laughs> we did get a callback phrase though we got discovery requires experimentation which is a great Whitehall reference and, of course, we didn't have Whitehall back. Now, I noticed that Quake couldn't use her Quake powers, and I was wondering if this was another loss of inhuman abilities, but I guess she just was drugged? Yeah, it looks like she was drugged. Yeah, it might be something that he got from Whitehall, who we know, I guess, even in this timeline, has been experimenting on inhumans for a very long time. And also, once she gets back, She's just in no condition to be doing anything. So with Freddie Malik taken out of the picture, is Hydra still an issue as we go forward? Well, technically, Gideon is still out there, right? Yeah, he is. You're right. So, yes. Okay. But it's a Gideon that we're no longer familiar with. He doesn't have all the same sets of motivations, so who knows what's going to happen. No, his dad died a couple years later than he was supposed to. And his brother is dead, which he should be. So technically, that part has corrected itself. Yeah, but now we have the addition of time-traveling robots. Time-traveling, face-stealing robots. Personality-stealing. Oh, that's too. That's the adapt that, you know, this is called adapt or die. And the Chronicoms have realized that to actually survive all this time travel and infiltrating shield they need to also act like the people they're inspired by colson colson is not just a a robot he is an lmd he has the personality of colson and they realize that they need that in order to become more effective i would say that the team also has adapted you see how Gemma has adapted you see how Coulson adapts, and we'll get to that in a second. 
we see how May is adapting to her new loss of feelings, yet she can now be a Chromicon detector. And Souza has adapted to this new normal of being part of this time-traveling S.H.I.E.L.D. team as they go forward. Mac has to adapt now because of what happens. We'll get to that in a second. So I think there's a lot with the S.H.I.E.L.D. team that has adapted or die as they go along, too. So I don't think it's just the Chromicons. It's over on the S.H.I.E.L.D. side, too. Speaking of May, when I'm watching, I was thinking like, okay, this back and forth with her and LMD Coulson, it feels so much like old time's sake. I started getting some major Felinda feels, which I tweeted about. And Ming-Na Wen tweeted that somebody pointed that out, like, but I thought May's awfully snippy for someone who isn't feeling anything. And she's like, she's picking up on Coulson's frustration. So that's interesting. Yeah, did she start to feel then in the middle of that conversation as they're handcuffed to the table? Because she snipped back in like she was actually feeling something. She had to go through a range of things that would have been incredibly emotional for her. And she kind of skipped over that, like Coulson dying before her mourning Coulson. So she didn't really get mad then. But at the very end, he finally pushes her to state exactly what was going on. And then she kind of retaliated a little bit with everything piling up and it wasn't an unfeeling way to communicate. In my opinion, she is starting to get a little bit because the feelings were so intense. She was starting to show a little bit of emotion there, but that's my opinion. Maybe it was meant to be just an enunciation. I have a theory. Oh, do tell. Based on what we saw, based on what Ming-Na Wen tweeted, and based on some stuff that I've said on previous episodes, I think that LMD Coulson, I think he is kind of adapting. Again, we saw with Sarge last season that having Coulson's personality was pushing him in certain ways. And we see now with LMD Coulson, again, it's Coulson's brain. It's Coulson's just everything. As time goes on with him in that state, okay, we know that Vision, who, you know, bringing back to Marvel Cinematic Universe, we know that Vision is capable of emotions and everything like that. I think that Coulson is also capable of emotions and everything like that. It's just that because he's not human, it might not be in a form that humans can recognize until he becomes more human. All right, let's talk about Coulson because he had an interesting path forward in this episode itself. He went into the construct. He talked to Sybil, who is the Chromicon that reads the timelines, their predictor. And then he, in the process of being there, blows the Chromicon ship up or at least the hold that he was in and that was kind of a sacrifice and may was like he's not anymore but she was confident that he would find a way to survive do you think the lmd colson that we've known this first six episodes will survive the explosion or do you think his consciousness has been loaded into the chromicon construct i think it's probably the second We do know there was a plan because when he's getting ready to blow up the hunter killers, he says, May, I hope 
that your plan works or something like that. I don't remember the exact wording. And then he blows them all up. I'm wondering if May realized, yeah, once it was pointed out, oh, they were patching personalities onto these chronicoms that maybe he also tried to do something similar or I don't know. I really don't know, but I'm curious. And here's the other question along the same lines is that since the Zephyr was forced to jump not once but twice after that, the Chromacon ship wasn't destroyed. So the Chromacon's ship is still around. Well, remember, Gemma was trying to fix the ship. She said that all the cables and stuff that was connected to the time thingy had to be connected to all parts of the ship because if it wasn't, then the parts of the ship connected to the time thingy would jump, leaving the rest of the ship behind. So I'm wondering if what Coulson did, he wrecked their ship. So what was ever connected to the time thingy in their ship, that's what jumped and it left what was behind. That sounds plausible. Yeah, it does. So a portion of the Chromacon ship, which is underground, I don't know how it jumps forward in time. I guess you'd have to have a void that would be there no matter what, but they've been going back and forth between LA and New York and the desert and stuff. So the void would have to move from place. Wow. I'm wondering if, okay, because we have Sybil, this is how I'm justifying that in my mind, because they have Sybil who is able to not exactly see the future, but she's like a supercomputer who analyzes everything that's happened and extrapolates from there. So if she's able to kind of extrapolate, okay, this is in the position in time and space that this location we want to be at is going to be at this time. So you need to set these time-space coordinates. However they're getting it done, they're getting it done. I wonder if Sybil herself has survived. She probably has. But it's a question going as we go forward here. Talking about the time travel a little bit, I am almost disappointed in myself that I went ahead and watched the rest of the Legends of Tomorrow season because it had a very similar, it was a different way that they pulled it off, but it was very similar reading of the timelines sort of thing. And it was lifelines. It wasn't timelines, but I just wish I wouldn't have watched them so close together because very similar imagery between the two. It's not a unique take. In fact, Michelle, the very first role-playing game we ever played together, played a character who was basically seeing the probability of things as they happened. Yes. I miss that game. Me too. Well, talking about seeing things as they happen, Michelle, why don't you run down exactly what's happening with Gemma? It seems as though Gemma has a memory block that she's called Diana. And that's what she meant she was forgetting. She was forgetting what she was supposed to know and was starting to remember what she wasn't supposed to remember. And I thought it was cute. You know, Deke didn't realize what was going on and he saw Enoch do the thing and he zaps him and stuff. But she can't remember where Fitz is. It sort of like confirmed what we were thinking. He is actually in a spot where he's analyzing and is able to like watch everything and is exposed and if found it's dangerous 
And she knows where he is, but she can't know that. And that's why she has Diana. So Diana is there and Diana is like, you need to know how to fix the time thing. You need to know how to fix this and this and this and do this. You can't remember fits. You can't even really think about them. So this has me thinking about two things. First of all, this mind block, memory block, it's actually symbiote, which is really kind of cool to see the imagery of it within her head had like three prongs on the inside and everything is that like the scott pilgrim device that you were talking about last time lauren a little not quite because it's not implanting false memories or scrubbing it it's blocking one certain thing in particular okay and the other thing is is the reason Haley isn't here tonight is because one of you two defibrillated her? Not it. I can neither confirm nor deny anything. Okay, we got to go looking for her because that could be what happened here. Anyway, out of the defibrillation of Enoch, finally, for the second episode in a row, came a really, really cool thing, right, Michelle? How Enoch was confirmed to be a vital member of the family? The family, the coolest thing ever. The highest compliment, highest compliment could be paid. That was very sweet, especially yeah. considering they left him behind for like, I don't know, 40 years. 40 years. But I loved it how it was Gemma scolding Deke. It's like, Deke, I'm <laughs> okay. I'm sorry that I shocked you. And... And you're a vital member of the family. It was just like, it was. That was very family. Yeah. It was grandma talking to her grandson, trying to get him to do the right thing. Oh, something slightly unrelated, but kind of not. So, Diana, you said, you know, symbiotic. That means there has to be an element of biology there. Fitz and Simmons were mechanical and biological. Therefore, this is kind of their baby. It's not Deke's mom. No. So they had two kids. But maybe like an aunt? Diane, yeah, aunt. Aunt Diana. And by the way, Diana, my mind went to Wonder Woman with that. <laughs> yeah, but there's also Diana, the Roman goddess, who's the equivalent of the Greek goddess Athena, goddess of wisdom. Also, justified war. Hello, this is Editor SP in post-production, and since we've recorded, there is an item that has been brought to my attention that needs to be corrected at this point in time in the podcast. Lauren, aka at Sithwitch, tweeted a correction to her previous remark. Quote, I just realized that last night on Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., I said that Diana was the Romanized version of Athena. Should have been Artemis, the goddess of the hunt. Oops, brain fart. Unquote. She posted that the day after we recorded, so I wanted to ensure it made it into the posted version of the podcast. And now, back to the regularly recorded podcast. And the other member of the team that was assumed to have a superpower in this episode was Souza, who had an anti-aging superpower, allegedly, which wasn't the case. <laughs> no. We need to talk about Mac. I don't want to talk about Mac really need to talk about Mac, but what a train wreck that whole thing was. I watched the episode twice. The second time through, I'm watching the beginning scenes 
of Mac with his parents and going, they were Comic Cons then and going, oh no. So this episode, when you watch it, watch it again and then see how Mac interacts with his parents the second time through. And it, it, it's heartstrings just get pulled. Oh, Marissa and Jed, you guys just really did a number on us this episode. It was pure manipulation, you know, going and looking at it through that lens. Just this whole, you know, at first we're watching, we're like, oh, I think they're going to figure it out. I think they're going to figure it out. And no, they are very deliberately playing on Mac's heartstrings to make eventually turning on him or if he figures it out, him trying to kill them just that much more, just dagger in the chest. So he meets his parents. He's trying to rescue him. The Chromacons deliberately put the Chromacons as his parents as bait to lure the team in to try to separate them and do the fog and friction of war sort of thing. So Lila and John were Chromacons at the beginning, and there was that awkward meeting where Mac is hugging his mom, who's a Chromacon, and then Yo-Yo had to step in and save him a couple of times and in the dialogue that was happening so that they wouldn't figure it all out. John was saying sir a couple of times to Mac, which really had to do a number on Mac's head because he didn't know they were Chromacons at the time. And he said, no, you can just call me Mac. He's like, my parents can't call me sir sort of thing. And then Mac goes after these Chromacons to give them some more time to escape at the end. And it wasn't until May was in the Quinjet with John and Lila and she made contact with John, I believe. Mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. determined that he was a Chromacon. I didn't know about Lila until she finally turned, for sure. That was an unknown right up to the time that it happened. And then Mac and May and Yo-Yo had to fight these two Chromacons that looked like Mac's parents and ended up killing them both. That had to do a number on Mac's head. Yeah, a Donna girl on the live tweet mentioned He's already lost, you know, his framework daughter, and now his parents got turned into face-stealing robots. Hey, does anybody remember what Mac specifically said he doesn't like? Robots. Good times. The fact that one of them's neck got broken and then dumped out, and then the other one just got dumped out. I don't think it, either of them survived. I, don't, I was thinking maybe Lila would survive because she wasn't damaged before she got thrown out the airlock, but yeah. So Mac has to internalize this. Also, in the episode, Deke comes back from the previous episode into the Zephyr 1 and reports that they had killed Malik. Mac goes nuts on him. This is not the first time. They're oil and water, the two of them, this season. And this has really upset Mac, but he can't focus on it because so many other things are going on when they finally take that jump to 1982 mac gets on the motorcycle and just goes probably half a mile out it wasn't all that far it was a half mile out but it was far enough that when deke went to go looking for him neither of them could get back to the plane the plane jumps we don't know why the plane jumped but the plane jumped so it left them stranded in 1982 we in a previous episode had said at some point in time somebody's going to be left behind i don't think anybody called deke and mac I know we called Deke and Mac separately in pairings, but I don't think we called them together. But now you have these two characters 
who aren't getting along. I mean, Deke desperately wants to get along with Mac. Mac is not getting along with Deke. Now they're stuck for an unknown amount of time together in the past, trying to live through history. This is going to be interesting next episode. The preview for next week, y'all. Michelle hasn't seen it yet. It's okay. You could tell me. Oh, I'm just, I was just going to say it looks like fun. I was talking to Scott afterwards and I was saying this week was so heavy. It looks like they are absolutely doing the we need a breather episode and it looks fun. Well, there's their 1976. So <laughs> disassemble, Stephanie. <laughs> the other thing is Mac has taken the second motorcycle. There was three motorcycles. Two of them are gone now. This gets back to Fitz. I think Fitz has planned this all along. I don't think we were pontificating the fact that they might be off course a little bit. I don't think they are. I think Fitz has planned this to this point or has seen it happen basically and knows that there has to be a second motorcycle out there. There is a third. We don't know when that's going to take off or not, but it looks like it's in the future. Might be nineties by the look of it. I don't know. Eighties, something like that. (laughs) And anyway, they have Fitz in an unknown place. We know he is kind of hiding in plain sight, so to speak. But I think this has all been staged so far. I think that Fitz and Gemma have outfitted the Zephyr with exactly what they need to get the job done. I would hope so. Here's my question, and I know it's a time travel thing and we're supposed to hand wave it, but Michelle can only take so much. Mac was raised by his parents. That is a formative experience of things like that are taken away from you that shapes you as a child. So is Mac going to still be Mac? Is Mac going to become his own dad? <laughs> is it going to be Mac and Uncle Deke raising the little boys? I don't know. I think the Mac that we know will stay the Mac that we know. I think that this split off into a whole different timeline. It's already a different timeline. So whatever version of Mac we meet in the future, if we meet another version of Mac in the future, just going to be a completely different character. So this is going to end up like Continuum, where at the end of Continuum, you have the woman who was sent back, who was sent to correct the timeline. She corrects it. And when she actually does, she sees her son. She wants to run to her son. And the other time people are like, no, you can't. And then she sees the fixed version of herself interact with her son. So basically, you're saying that now the entire team are time remnants, kind of. The way I view it is they are skipping into different dimensions, possibilities. I don't think, honestly, personally, I don't think there is ever a universe that ceases to exist in this terms, just because of how I personally think of alternate universes flowing. But who knows how the show writers are going to do it. I think it, it's, it's like going into a different state or country or something. I have a hunch that the time travel rules of which this season was abiding by will be explained once we get to the end. I don't know if it'll be to everybody's satisfaction or not, but I think it will be explained in the context of the show. We need fits. We do. And I can't believe it's been six episodes and we have not seen Fitz. Now, last week we predicted that episode seven we'd see Fitz. Judging by the preview that we saw, Lauren, I'm not 
sure that's going to happen, although I could see it coming in maybe at the end of it. If we see him next episode, that's where I see it, either in the shawarma or just at the very end of the episode. To circle back, we got to talk about General Stoner because Patrick Warburton (laughs) and his mustache, (laughs) two separate characters. It was awesome because he had this problem believing that they were face-stealing, time-traveling robots, right? (laughs) And who could blame him, right? Yeah, no. Yeah. To be perfectly honest, somebody comes to me off the street and says, hey, there's a face-stealing robot in your apartment. I'm like, haha, very funny. Lock the door. And then they go and they rescue him. And he's just like, I believe you now. Completely believe you now. Uh, I'm all in. And then he even asked Chastity McBride if he can buy her a drink. I loved how she said, I'm level seven. So technically you report to me. (laughs) Bringing it back. Level seven. I've got my badge right up there. Actually, I forgot about that. The level seven badges. I have been watch rewatching Agents of Shield. I got through most of season one and I got to the point with the badges with Koenig. So that was kind of funny right there. And the one comment that Agent Kane made, who was a Chromicon at the time, he said, I'm losing my face over this or whatever. And Agent Kane <laughs> said, We'll remove your face immediately, sir. And literally meant that they yeah. were gonna remove yep. his face. Fortunately, Patrick Warburton and his mustache are still with us. Any predictions for the future beyond the fun episode that we're predicted to get next week? Nope. Michelle? If we don't get Fitz in episode eight, I'm going to be disappointed. We need Fitz. We do. And I can see how the story has been going along. They wanted to maintain that air of mystery. But I think they could have done it with him. Hashtag release the Fitz cut. (laughs) Something. I need to see him soon because we have seven episodes left. We're basically halfway through the season. I can't believe we're almost halfway. What is time? Right? Like March lasted like 90 days and all of a sudden now it's July. Like really, like what happened? So I think when we do see Fitz, I think what we're going to get either if he comes in the shawarma than the next episode, I think what we're going to get is we're actually going to see him and Gemma as they gen up for this. So you kind of see it and then it fast forwards into real time. So there's going to be a lot of cuts even into what's happened already. Fitz might have been there filming all along into Cassaker, been there filming all along so that they can throw those snippets into a future episode. He doesn't get credit for being in those episodes, but I could see them doing that. But we need Fitz. And the other thing that I want to state is with Coulson, I don't know if we're going to see him again physically, but we're definitely going to see him again in the construct. And it's going to be interesting what happens between him and Sybil, because they're kind of sharing that space. Well, they had an interesting conversation. It's very civil. And Sybil answered all of his questions, too. That was kind of cool. I really liked that dying is my superpower thing, especially when you consider that him dying in Avengers was the thing that brought the team together. Indeed. And there still is that dangling thread with Sousa. You know, is he going to be in New York or not? It's a question that everybody's still asking. 
And I'm glad that he's still with the team. Oh, I want to go back a second talking about time travel. So Deke and Mac are going to be in this time, real time for at least five years, maybe 10 years. At the end of it, isn't he going to conceivably be older than his grandparents? (laughs) Yes. I'm wondering if the episode is going to be about somehow them figuring out time travel (laughs) and getting back to the rest of the team. Like you said, if it's planned for this. And don't forget, there is a version of Enoch out there who is living with humans. Like the pre-fits, pre-team interaction. There is another Enoch out there. And I was wondering if Enoch got together with Enoch during that one year. Because remember that there was a year where Enoch went rogue, got out of the bar, in order to get enough money to buy a car, I guess, for a getaway. <laughs> All right. So that is it for this episode of Adapter Died. Next week will be season seven, episode seven, The Totally Excellent Adventures of Mac <laughs> and the D. <laughs> I'm so excited. We have news. <gasps> we do. For the first time in a month, month and a half, we actually have some news. I believe it was Michelle. You ran across this, right? You ran across an article from comicbook.com that talked about the virtual San Diego Comic-Con and the fact that Disney Plus is going to have at least a panel, maybe multiple, but at least a panel. And there was speculation about some of the Marvel shows that are going to be on Disney plus there's no firm announcements here, but there's speculation that they might be talking about series such as one division Falcon and the winter soldier, perhaps some footage. We don't well, know. Well, the article says the three panels that they're definitely going to have. Um, the closest one to Marvel is the whole Marvel six one six thing going to be on Disney plus. We don't know if they're going to have anything else about any of the TV shows. That's a very big, Maybe, might, don't know. It's a big don't know. But they're definitely going to have three. And it'll be, and for those that have not participated in person at a San Diego Comic-Con, this is going to be your chance in 2020 to kind of interact with the panels because I don't think there's going to be any cap on how many people can be in the room. Previously, to my knowledge, San Diego Comic-Con has not broadcast has not streamed all of these panels so this will be your chance sitting at home to watch whatever panels that you want to watch Uh, i would highly recommend that you do so go ahead and get the schedule and see which ones that you can view and which ones you can't also there was another story that kind of broke because marvel instagram account it's kind of a non-story but it's kind of neat the fact that they actually gave the history, description, and disposition of the Infinity Stones. That looks cool. I'll have to watch that later. And then there was a new story by the Nerdist, I believe, put out there as well. Basically, there was the Russo brothers in the post-Endgame said that in the snap, in the Thanos snap, that the Infinity Stones had disappeared. But you have the team going back the Avengers going back in history, getting the infinity stones, bringing them forward and then bringing them back. And then you also have 
2012 Loki running around with an Infinity Stone as well. In comic books, just like nobody except for Spider-Man's Uncle Ben is dead, I don't know if we can for sure say that the Infinity Stones are gone. Time is a flat circle. I don't know. Yep, Jeremy Baramy. <laughs> so those are the two kind of news stories. I put news stories in quotes there because of the Infinity Stone, but that was kind of neat. I will put the link in the show notes. It's a couple of Instagram posts, and it's pretty neat if you haven't seen either. And with that, let's get on to some feedback. We're starting off with a post from Twitter at LVNVNWA said, yo, one thing I want to know, do we ever find out who Deke's other grandparents are? He's too worried about Nana and Bobo bumping lemons that IDK if he's even thought of his dad's side. I don't know. I don't think we do ever find out. They're scientists. Does there have to be two parents? (laughs) I think that the reason that we see him so preoccupied with Nana and Bobo is these are the ones he's met. If his other grandparents came back through time, I think he would probably not be caring too much about Nana and Bobo. But these two are the ones he just happened to run into. I'm trying to think of all the S.H.I.E.L.D. characters out there and who possibly might be his dad. The ones that have been in the TV show, like past agents and stuff like that. Who knows? Could be anybody. It would be kind of neat if they closed that circle, though, and they actually gave a dad, but we'll see. And we also have an email from 084. So this one's pretty short, but I want to read the middle paragraph. This one got me right in the feels. Coulson's monologue intercutting with the team we know and love proving him right was everything. Mac having to fight his own parents to the death is definitely something I should have expected, from the writer who was behind Jang's vivisection, May shooting a little girl, Daisy getting hived, Yo-Yo meeting her future armless self, and Fitzsimmons' marriage counseling insanity hour. Bravo indeed. I'd call this a swan song if that swan was also a winged hell beast feasting away at our souls. I agree with pretty much everything you said there. I think the winged hell beast feasting away at our souls was last season. Just saying. Also, I would like to point out that swans are winged hell beasts. What about black swans? Swans in general. Geese, swans, ducks are kind of mean sometimes. Ducks, yeah. I had a friend get attacked by a goose. Geese, definitely. So they're like protected within the city and, you know, you're driving around and they're going from pond to pond across the street. There's nothing you can do. Nope. You have to wait for them to cross. And if you go up to them, they will bite you. And they will attack your car. So what I've done in the past is like, okay, let's hurry this thing along. Just kind of creep up on the goose, creep up on the goose, creep up. Yeah. And that they go after the car. Learn not to do that. Thank you very much. 084. Really appreciate that. Also really appreciate all the comments on our discord, which you can find at getageek.com slash discord. We actually had a late entry by Snidecker who is also a host of another com podcast. And he was saying something about Gemma Simmons and the possibility of her being an LMD or not. And I asked him if he had seen the episode. He said, no, not yet. A lot of people get the episode on Hulu these days. 
and Hulu doesn't have the episode until Thursday, which is the day that we record. So we're not giving our fans a lot of time, but honestly, none of us want to record on Friday night. So Thursday night it is. But it's right there immediately on Thursday. It's there Thursday morning. What time is it like 3.30 in the morning Eastern or? I don't know. I just know when I get up, it's there. I do know. Oh, uh, there is a big thing on it on our discord. Actually, it's like 530 Eastern time in the morning where it pops up. Okay. So once again, that's going to slash discord. A lot of conversation happens there over the week and you can catch us there or you can catch us on our Twitter at legends of shield. In the meantime, we're done with the episode. And I think it's time that we don't know if it happened before or not, but Let's just go ahead and do it. Let's defibrillate Haley and get on out of here. Clear. Thanks for all of your reviews on Apple Podcasts and at podchaser.com. We really appreciate that. We really appreciate your downloads and listening. For those new to the show in Season 7, you guys, there's a whole big back catalog of all the previous six seasons for you to go get. And you can find that at legendsofshield.com. Thank you to everybody who tweets at us, who emails us, who talks on our Discord. We really, really, really love hearing from you. We love hearing your reactions to the show being back. And just a quick note regarding defibrillation. Despite what you see on TV, never defibrillate over clothes. That's how you get a fire. And never touch the person that you're defibrillating. And make sure they don't wear any metal. Okay, anyway, thank you to everyone who downloads, listens, watches, all that type of stuff. Thank you very much. Sorry, I'm just so hot. I'm so hot. It's really hot in here. Well, let's get you out of here then. Until next time, I'm Director SP. I'm Agent Lauren. And I'm Agent Michelle. See everybody next week. Bye. 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 Hopefully it'll be cooler for you next week, Michelle. Probably not. I know. I've been watering the grass. Hooray, summer. Yeah. I just can't have my fans on. Go ahead. Turn them on. Thank you for listening. If you want to leave us feedback, go to gunageek.com and you will find all our contact information and other shows. You can also visit legendsofshield.com where you'll find our complete archive of podcasts. The music heard on this podcast is by Kevin McLeod, found at incompetech.com and also artists on pond5.com and audiojungle.net. The opinions heard on this podcast are those of the individual hosts and do not represent Stargate Pioneer Productions, Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., or Gunna Geek. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is the property of the Disney Corporation, Marvel Studios, and ABC. No infringement is intended. Hello. Hi. How are you? Hot. It is hot out, isn't it? I don't have air conditioning. So, yes, it's hot. All right. Well, we'll get this done as soon as we can. So I tested my fan position. This should be, I have this one on low. I have to have some sort of air blowing on me. Otherwise, I will go. But it's over this. It is not here. That was, I had the other ones on last time. That's what was going on. StreamYard must have been doing a heck of a job of 
like compressing it and everything because I didn't hear it. I mean, good on StreamYard, but unfortunately that meant your local recording wasn't all that great. And as it turns out, the, uh, the actual recording was affected too. The actual recording, the recording that I took of your side was affected as well. Sorry. It's all right. Did you hear the full story? How we were able to make it work? Well, you told me about Steven and all that. Yep. He ran it through his Miracle uh, NVIDIA RTX live stream and uh, his graphics card and using a couple other plugins he had. But the plugins that he had weren't going to do it. So it did take the RTX. It was a great field test because none of us had done it on an actual podcast before. So it was great that we were able to actually do it and it works. And Steven was all smug over, hey, it works. Like, okay. <laughs> well, if it made Steven smug, then I guess it was all worth it. <laughs> I guess. Because that's what matters. Right. Is proving Steven right. There were two times in your track that I could tell that the thing didn't, wasn't able to uh, do it. And it was right at the beginning, uh, right, right at the beginning of when you were saying something. And then it got better right after that. So, hey, it's stuff that wasn't available even a year ago. Yeah. Hello. Hey, Lauren. Lauren, what's going on with your camera? I don't know. Did you put it back to the original USB thing, or is it on what you changed it to? It's on what it was last week. There you are. Yay. Oh, no. God. Okay, I'm back. Waiting for it to go out. (laughs) (laughs) Son of a... Are you wiggling it or something, or why is no. it going in and out? It's just on its own. I don't. It's just been doing that for the last couple months. I don't know. You might want to unplug it and plug it back in. I have tried. Mm. Like it seems to do this a bunch of times, and then it'll settle. Okay. Well, we can wait for it to settle. Uh, I don't know what the deal is. Uh, and I was hoping we could get an early start because Critical rolls back tonight. <laughs> And Pike is driving me crazy trying to open the door. Mommy, I want a podcast too. Fine, get in here. (laughs) Well, we had a couple of cat butts last week, so. Yeah, well, the good thing is he will most likely just stay on the floor. Really? He's gotten that old that he does that now, huh? No, it's just that. He just doesn't like feeling left out. Oh, sure. Like lately, if I come in the office, he'll come just run after me and jump on a box and stay where he can see both me and Scott. Is he lonely? He's always kind of had separation anxiety. And yeah, I think it's gotten worse since Tonks died. How do we want to get this one out? I don't think we should punch our parents. I don't think we should do that. No. I was going to suggest um, the defibrillator paddles. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but I don't want to do it on Enoch. Let's do it on Haley. <laughs> no. <laughs>
I went through your notes. I kind of organized my notes in something that we could go through. Is there anything not in my notes that you want to make sure you hit? Is Mac going to be the same because his parents are dead? It's a time travel question, right? Well, he was alive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But your formative he was raised by his parents. Now his parents are dead. Now, is he going to be raised with his brother? Is he going to be raised by himself? (laughs) That's a Oh my God, is he going to be his own dad? Put that in there. Is he going to be his own dad? Put that in there. Are him and Deke going to be, oh my God, is, is, is little, is little Mac going to be raised by two gay dads? I hope so. Please. Oh, I know Hamilton's on Disney Plus. Tomorrow, right? Oh, today. Yeah, tomorrow. I'm sorry, tomorrow. I have no concept of time. I forgot it was Thursday. So my nose were late. I'm going, what is today? What do I have today? I'm like, oh, it's Thursday. I didn't, it, it, it was, it's today, this week. It's like, I have no, con- I have no, what is today? It's a day. It ends on Y. Um, that's all I know. <laughs> <laughs> Lauren, do you have a because of? I did earlier, but then I got really angry at my computer. So give me like five seconds to remember it. Okay. Okay. Was the bumping lemons was last week, right? Yep. Yes. Okay. Five more seconds. Okay. You didn't need five seconds. In both cases, it was less than four seconds. Good to know. My mind works sometimes. All right. All right. I'm ready. You ladies ready? I'm ready. Uh, hold on. Press record. Yeah. Press record first. Oop. I don't know if either of you saw this, but Zoom released a new H8 today. Ooh, Ooh I did not see that. Hold on. Oh, no. Okay. That's recording. Ha, okay. There we go. It just didn't show up. It actually looks like a tarantula. Oh, my God. So it's an H8. Six fit form, except for the side, instead of having two XLR inputs on the side, it has three, making a total of six with the capsule for a total of eight channels. Oh my God. That, yes. So it just looks like a tarantula and it's black too. <laughs> yes, yeah, just talk directly into the spider. Oh, <laughs> kitty. kitty! He's going to bite my face. Of course he is. <laughs> He's a dumb baby who likes to bite. Okay. Yep. We're out. I am going to hop off and try to catch up with critical goal roll. Yep. Good All luck. Right. Yep. Bye. 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 Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. is copyright 2013 through 2020.